Hello everyone and welcome to episode 1.5 of America's Lost History, the Connecticut Yankees. Uh, the theme of today is going to be how many positions can one person hold? Uh, as we go through our four signers of the Declaration from Connecticut, we're going to notice that many of them are holding multiple positions uh, at the same time for many, many years. Something that probably is a little odd to us now um, in the age of the internet where most delegates only serve one position in whatever government body they are in, but obviously that wasn't the, the case back in colonial and early American times. So let's get right into it. Our first delegate is Samuel Huntington, born set July 1731, not sure exactly what day, possibly July 2nd, and he died January the 5th, 1796, and at the age of signing he was 45. Born in Wyndham, which is now part of Scotland, Connecticut, he was the oldest son of his parents Nathaniel and Metabel Huntington. Samuel was expected to work the family farm and had no real formal education. Uh, around the age of 16 he became an apprentice barrel maker, which was a very lucrative position back then. Barrel makers were in high demand because of all the alcohol and other things that had to be shipped in barrels. In this time, he's, in his free time, he studied the, the law and was actually admitted to the bar in 1754, so he was a self-taught lawyer. He moved his practice to Norwich, Connecticut, and in 1761 he married a minister's daughter named Martha Devotion. In 1764 he was elected to represent Norwich in the Connecticut General Assembly, and then in 1765 he was elected to the State Council. In 1774, he was appointed as a superior judge, and then in 1775, the colony would send him to represent the state in Philadelphia. He was known as an active and dedicated patriot, and in 1779, he was appointed President of Congress, and then in 1781, he would be forced to resign due to poor health. He would return to Congress in 1783, but would re retire in the same year. In 1784, he was appointed Chief Justice of the Connecticut Supreme Court, Superior Court. In 1785, he was elected Lieutenant Governor, and in the following year, he was promoted to Chief Magistrate. He would then be elected to be the third Governor of Connecticut and hold that post until his death at the age of 64. An interesting fact for Governor Huntington is that on March the 1st, 1781, the Articles of Confederation took effect. His title went from being President of the Continental Congress to President of the United States in Congress Assembled. So, some people have made a case that he could be the first President of the United States. Not bad for a self-taught lawyer. Our next candidate is Roger Sherman, who was born April 30th, 1721, and died July the 23rd, 1793, age at signing, 55. Born on the family farm in Newton, Massachusetts, his parents were William, a cobbler by trade, and Metabel Sherman. At the age of two, his parents moved the family to Stoughton. Mostly self-taught, he did not attend school until the age of 13 when one opened up. However, the local reverend, Samuel Dunbard, who was Harvard class of 1723, encouraged young Roger's education through loaning him books. In 1741, with the death of William, the family moved to New Milford, Connecticut. In 1745, he, his aptitude for maths got him appointed county surveyor, 
and then he and his brother opened New Milford's first mercantile store. In his leisure hours, Roger studied law, and in 1754 he was admitted to the bar. The next year he was elected to the General Assembly and made Justice of the Peace. In 1759 he was appointed Judge of the Litch of Litchfield County Court. In 1761 Roger moved the family to New Haven where he was chosen treasurer of Yale College. He received an honorary Master's of Arts from Yale in 1766 where he taught religion. He served in the Connecticut Senate during the Stamped Act fervor and took the side with the Patriots. He served in the Continental Congress from 1774 to 1781 and then again from 1783 to 84. In 1784, Sherman was elected mayor of New Haven, Connecticut. Then he would return to Congress for the Continental Convention. While in Congress, Sherman served on the Committee of Five that drafted the Declaration. Thomas Jefferson said of Sherman that he never said a foolish thing in his life. Sherman is the only person who signed the Articles of Association, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the Constitution. During the Constitu Constitutional Convention, Sherman proposed the Great Compromise. This is the compromise that explains why we have a Senate with two seats based per state and the House which is elected by population. Sherman served in the House of Representatives from 1789 to 1791 and, the, and then in the U.S. Senate he would die in office in 1793. William Williams born April the 18th 1731 died August the 2nd 1811 age at signing 45 William Williams was born in Lebanon, Connecticut to Tim Solomon Williams and Mary Porter. His father and grandfather were both ministers. William attended Harvard College and at, age, at age 16 and graduated on 1751. He began study theology under his father and then in 1754 during the French and Indian War Williams actually accompanied an expedition to Lake George where his relative Colonel Ephraim Williams was killed. This expedition left a bad impression of the British on Williams, most especially British officers. Apparently the British officers treated the colonials as inferiors and only worthy of disdain. Upon returning from the war, Williams gave up the theological studies and became a merchant. At the age of 25 he would be chosen as town clerk for Lebanon, a post he would hold for almost 50 years. He would serve in the colonial assembly for 45 years. He would also hold the posts of militia colonel, town selectman, and church deacon. In 1771, William married Mary Trumbull, daughter of the gov royal governor, Jonathan Trumbull. They would have three children together. In 1775, Williams would donate his own money to enable Connecticut to raise troops for the expedition to Fort Ticonderoga. In 1776, Williams was selected to replace Oliver Walcott in Philadelphia. At the same time, he resigned his commission in the militia. Williams arrived too late to vote for independence, but he did sign the Declaration. Williams quotes as saying of the British in 1776, Well, if they succeed, it's pretty evident what will be my fate. I have done much to prosecute the contest, and the one thing I have done, which the British will never pardon, I have signed the Declaration of Independence. I shall be hung. Williams served in Congress from 1776 to 1778, and from 1783 to 1784. He served on the Board of War and repeatedly opened his home to Patriot and French officers during the war. In 1775, he was selected to serve as a judge, a post he would hold for 34 years. From 1781 to 1784, he served as a Connecticut state legislator and was said to have never missed a session unless he was in Congress. He helped to draft the Articles of Confederation, but did not sign the document. 
1788, he helped Connecticut ratify the Constitution. At the age of 79, in 1811, Williams passed on. His tombstone reads, A firm, steady, and ardent friend of his country, and in the darkest times risked his wealth and life in her defense. Our last signer this week is Oliver Walcott. Born November the 20th, 1726. Died December the 1st, 1797. Age at signing, 49. Oliver was born in Windsor, Connecticut, the 15th child of the royal governor, Roger Walcott, and his wife, Sarah Drake. The Walcott family were one of the oldest in Connecticut. Oliver entered Yale at the age of 17 and graduated top of his class in 1747. Upon graduation, he was commissioned as a captain in the army, where he would raise a, ca a company and went off to fight the French and Indian Wars. By the time of the Treaty of A la Chapelle, Walcott was risen to the rank of Major General. After the war, Walcott studied medicine under his uncle, Dr. Alexander Walcott. After he finished his studies, he was appointed sheriff of Litchfield County. In 1774, he was elected to the Council of Connecticut, where he would serve until 1786. He also served as Chief Justice for the Litchfield County, as well as Judge of Probate. He was appointed to the First Continental Congress. He served on the commission to end the Wyoming-Pennsylvania Wars. In January 1776, Wolcott took his seat in the Second Continental Congress. He was probably ill at the time of the vote for independence and was on his way back to Connecticut, so he would not sign the declaration until October. While on his way home from Congress, he witnessed a patriot mob forced down a lead statue of King George III. Wilcott had all of the lead pieces shipped to his home in Litchfield, where the lead was melted down to make bullets. Apparently, the Wolcott family all kicked in, and they formed 42,088 bullets. These bullets would later be fired at Burgoyne's forces at Saratoga. Wolcott would <coughs> be with the Connecticut troops in Saratoga, and then the, after the battle, he would return to Congress. In 1779, he took command of the Connecticut Division of the Militia, which was involved in the defense of the southwest coast of the state, and had some success there. Until 1783, he would be in action with the military with the war effort. After the war, Wolcott served as an Indian agent and took part in the peace agreement between the Six Nations and the new fledgling country. In 1786, General Wolcott became governor of Connecticut, a post his father had held, and he would hold this position until his death in 1797. On December the 1st, 1797, Governor Wolcott would pass on. Well, that's it for this week, folks. Uh, come join us on the Facebook group, America's Lost History. You can join in the conversation, talk about questions you might have or things you want me to do differently. I have started to send this podcast out to new RSS feeds or new services like Podbean. I'm trying to get it on iTunes as soon as possible. Uh, if there's any other services you'd like to see it on, just let me know. And you guys have a great week, and I will see you next week when we move on to New York.